It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. Welcome everybody back to the Believe It NXT podcast. As I one half of the podcast tag team champs. That's right, we survived WrestleMania. Still got our podcast tag team titles. Still without a name, but we'll we'll get into that in a minute. But in case you don't know the voice by now, it is I, Jacob and Lawrence, and like usual, tag team partners right here. No Marty Janetti, no HBK Barbershop window yet. Still Ryan as a unit. Said, how you doing today, man? Yeah, we're still here, man. I'm doing good after. After a successful Mania season, you know, this is draft season now where things are going to shake up. Um, so if you're still waiting on that heel turn, I mean, look out for it. And it may not be between the podcast tag team champions. It may be Believe Networks getting that cancel button on. Uh, so if you like <laughs> our work, you love what we do, man, make sure you go and download, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. And we're going to keep drilling out content because there's literally nothing else for us to do at this time. It's going to be content, content, content. Some more COVID content, content, content. Pretty much. I'm still in the same spot as last time. I was just about to ask, you uh, move out that spot yet? No, nah, it's a good <laughs> spot. Uh, so how's your TikTok going? You know what? I am a master procrastinator there. I have downloaded the app and have not recorded a single thing. I got I to gotta work on that, you know? I got to learn it. Uh, I'm trying to pick my spots here with the but, TikTok. It's kind of. Kind of had my hopes up. I was kind of looking forward to seeing what your TikTok was coming with. No, you you never know. Still time, still a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got about another thirty days. Yeah, exactly. We ain't going back outside in June. Nah, that's the beauty of it. But uh, just for our Believe in NXT podcast fans, uh, we missed you last week, so we want to definitely run down last week's NXT, which is a really big deal. Heading into, and I, if you saw NXT last week, you saw it completely had the takeover theme with the takeover Tampa backdrop at the Performance Center. We're going to get part two of that um, tomorrow, and we'll recap that show for you later this week when we talk about, obviously, the biggest feud in wrestling and probably all of WrestleMania with uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. Then we'll find out who our new number one contender is for Charlotte Flair. Yep. So, slight spoiler alert there with Charlotte, but... It's Wednesday. By now, you should have seen Mania read all the spoilers, so it is what it is. But before we get into that, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter. I'm at underscore J Della. Said is at said underscore says. That is C-E-double-D underscore S-A-Y-S. And of course, the people that allow us to come here multiple times a week and provide quality content, the Believe Podcast Network. That's at Believe Podcast on Twitter. Believe is spelled B-L-E-A-V. And it is also at Believe Podcast and at Believe Sports on Instagram as well. And uh, make sure, you know, like usual, if you like this podcast, tell a friend to tell a friend. 
y'all quarantine. You got nothing else to do. I'm sure you ran through all that backlog of those podcasts that you already subscribed to. So why not subscribe to us if you know somebody that needs something new? Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Believe.com, How Podcasts Will Travel. Go share, like, whatever you have to do for your appropriate network. So that way, whenever a new episode drops, it goes right to your phone, your iPad, your Mac, your laptop, your tablet, whatever device you have, you got it. So you ain't got to go looking for the audio dope. We're going to send it right to you. Now, precisely. And now, on last week's uh, NXT card, we had four matches. One of them was for the for the NXT North American title. Then, of course, we got your sprinkling of uh, WrestleMania talk, fueling the fire between Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. We start uh, we kind of came out the gates with the big feud, the big match that hasn't been announced yet. Talking about Velveteen Dream challenging Adam Cole eventually, and Bobby Fish challenged the Velveteen Dream, which seems like a ongoing saga of Velveteen Dreams going to have to get through each member on the Undisputed Era before Cole takes them seriously. Now, the one thing I want to point out about this match, and we'll talk about the result in a second, is that Bobby Fish came out full black, and it's a disappointment. You know what? I'm going to blame the result of this match on Bobby Fish coming out with the full black and no gray because I'm of the mindset that Bobby Fish is a 105 rating on WWE 2K when he comes out gray. That's not 99, with. not 98, 105. That's what you're going with? <laughs> Man got to be undefeated when he come out gray. That's just what it is. That's why it's so rare now. By the way, Velveteen Dream, Bobby Fish put on a pretty decent match. Some back and forth. Bobby Fish is playing the uh, the break your opponent down body part by body part. Ended on a Dream Valley driver with the Velveteen Dream picking up the win and cutting a promo after the match. What did you think about the action overall? And why are they kind of slow building this Adam Cole thing here when we know that's where it's going? Because you don't know if you're going to be able to take TV this coming week because Florida is under a stay-at-home mandate. So we're shut down for another 21, 28, somewhere in that time frame, days. And WWE, when they were taping all this NXT and WrestleMania, they were in Orange County where Orlando is located. And Orange County had put in a mandate before the state made one where they're like, yep, there's 11 p.m. on a certain day. Hey, if it ain't essential business, you got to pack it up. So that's why they taped up two weeks of NXT. You got to let this linger in case you can't come back to TV. You just kind of like, all right, we think they're going this way. Maybe it'll give some time to get things together. Maybe throw a curveball in there. So, you know, you don't want to book yourself into a corner when you might not be on TV with actual wrestling for the foreseeable future after tomorrow night. Right, right, right. So at this point, Velveteen has already defeated Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, probably have a singles match with Kyle O'Reilly. Expect that to be a complete banger whenever it happens, if it happens tomorrow, if it happens next couple weeks. And then eventually Adam Cole is going to have to defend his title. He's already the longest reigning NXT world champion and it's obviously a moniker that you want him to build through social media videos and clips different uh, tweets over the next few weeks I stand by what I stand by 
when well, you guys confirm Velveteen Dream's going to be your new champion. Um, and I think it's such a big moment that they have to hold it off. Like you said, they got to hold it off for a while to where we have the fan reaction there. Otherwise, it's going to fall kind of flat. Um, not to give any Mania spoilers. We already talked about certain things. Mania was a great show for what it was, but I don't think that should be the status quo going forward for having these title changes happen with any empty arenas. Yeah, we're going to get into that. We're going to be nice and recap Mania in an episode for you this week. So we'll get into that. But yeah, you kind of got a point. And as far as Velveteen against the UE, it may just be me, but I felt like this match dragged. Like I think it went a good 20, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it took forever to yeah. really get going. And I think I'm um, playing devil's advocate here. I feel like it had to drag for the match that followed it, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a second. But um, if one thing you know is the Velveteen Dream can go. And when I think everybody who follows NXT pretty closely knows that he's a guy that can uh, be that Iron Man, if you would, in the ring, kind of sell really well, take a punishment, get his moves on, and play to the crowd, great ring presence, things like that. But a match between a tag team specialist and a single star, yeah, this did kind of drag kind of long because it was a foregone result. Now, Bobby Fish would have came out, Full gray beard, gray streaks in the hair. This would have been a squash match. Hundred percent believe that. Hundred percent believe it would have been a squash. Uh, Velveteen Dream would have lost in five seconds. Don't know to what move, but he lost five in five seconds. Then we'd have had a maybe a twenty-five minute episode of NXT altogether. What did but, you come out hit him with a jumping knee? One, two, three. Yeah, that'd have been, that'd have been done. Ball game, cooked. Call it. Oh, man. Yeah. Actually, I think it may be Fish's style that he wrestled the slow, methodic, break-you-down style like you mentioned. And I was just like, I'm not here for this tonight. And I was (laughs) finishing rewatching it before we started recording, and I'm like, still not here for it. Yeah, I mean, it could be... Sometimes matches like that are pretty boring. I mean, if you have the fans behind you, then yeah, it plays its point. But I've always liked the the breakdown, the opponent style, or it's like Alberto Del Rio style. It's just realistic to me. Uh, but a guy like the Velveteen Dream, who's really flashy and probably going to sell a lot of his opponent's moves, probably doesn't look that great, <laughs> especially to start the show off with. I mean, again, doing what you can. Definitely thankful that we're getting new content because, like, you teed it up already. There might be a chance that we don't get any new content for weeks on end because uh, I think they're still scrambling to figure most things out. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned the crowd because I feel like this match, if it had a crowd, would have been exponentially better, much like a lot of these matches would have been. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can, I give them credit for doing the best that they can do given the circumstances for the right, most part. Right. And I do like what they're doing now more so. Um, you can call it time filler if you want, but a lot of these guys are doing – the XFL thing, and they're cutting their promos directly after the match, um, which is helpful. It's helpful to keep flames flames on the fire for certain feuds. Helpful to build guys up, things like that. So I mean, they're they're pulling a lot of tricks out of their bag right now just to make it seem um, more interactive. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. And at the end of the day, this Triple H 
they know who can talk, who can't talk, who's good at this, who's good at that, who has a personality, who doesn't. So these empty arenas, it's allowing them to kind of be like, all right, here, I need you to go fill five extra minutes. Or you know what? Commentary kind of sucks. Where's Oscar? Exactly. Put Oscar on commentary to to speak in her native tongue, and everybody has no idea what's going on. So, yeah, that's always entertaining, too. You know what? This is uh, – I'm glad you brought that up. Commentary. Jacob, what was different about commentary last week? Uh, I would say I don't know, but I actually listened to five minutes before I put it on mute for the rest of the show. But uh, <sighs> no Beth, no Nigel, no Morrow. We uh, had Sam Roberts and um, – was it Phillips? Wiffle? Was it I think Tom so. Phillips? But, but mostly we talk about Sam, who receives a lot of internet hate. And for the most part of the, of the entire show, he's very annoying to listen to. But the man is pretty is a, is a damn good heel. Some of the things he said on the show, and I think he was talking about some of the matches later. Man was man was spitting bars. I'm just going to call it like it is. He was spitting bars. And if you don't like it, then there's definitely a bunch of people that think like Sam uh, throughout the course of this show when you're looking at certain superstars. And um, I'll tee that up again when we talk about a match a little bit later on. But interesting stuff. Interesting stuff from Sam. I thought that was a nice wrinkle that they added there to kind of have the heel commentator on there, which which definitely made the night flow a little bit better. Yeah, if I never have to hear Sam Roberts on commentary, it'll be too soon. So you can keep him. I just can't stand him. Because you know what he reminds me of? Rosenberg. You don't like Peter Rosenberg? Nope. That's a different conversation for a different day. Wow. I'm not alone, though. I I feel like there's a lot of people that don't like Peter Rosenberg, and I might be in the minority here because I'm an avid wrestling fan and a Redskins fan, which Peter Rosenberg is both of those things. Um, I don't know. So I relate to that man differently. (laughs) I don't like Pete. I like Pete. Quick sidebar. So let's let's just get this right. Um, you are a Detroit Pistons fan, check. A Los Angeles Dodgers fan, check. A Washington Native Americans fan, check. All right, so that's basketball, football, baseball. I'm assuming you don't have a hockey team. Nah, but I guess I would rock with the Kings since I'm yeah, Angelino. All right, so we're just going to address the three major sports. What kind of depressing-ass childhood did you have to inherit these three teams? <laughs> <laughs> depressing childhood? Come on, man. The Pistons are a historic team. Bad boy Pistons, going to work Pistons, great teams. Not, not about all-stars or flashiness, just grit and grind. That's what I love about the Pistons. Um, Redskins is actually a, bit, a little bit Real different. quick, I'm, I'm going to stop you real quick. Me and you are basically the same age. We're both basically both almost in our 30s or in our 30s. So the Pistons haven't been good, excluding that three to we'll, – we'll call it a five-year window with Chauncey and them. Nope. The Pistons nope. weren't nope. really Cutting good. You Cutting you off. Cutting you off. Nope. Nope. Not going to let you have that. Six straight Eastern Conference Finals appearances. Of those, back-to-back finals came in one. A championship came out of one. And pretty much the birth of LeBron James taking over the league during that time. So Pistons were great for a long time. They've been bad for a really long time now. 
probably a decade or yeah, probably a decade at this point. I mean, you have your glory days when they were still dope, but um, yeah, love the Pistons. I mean, never been a Laker fan, never been a Clipper fan, anything like that. Um, yeah, I like the fact that didn't, that that team didn't have all stars, so to speak, but just had chemistry, which is what basketball should be predicated on. But yeah, Redskins is a different story, though. Um, I used to follow a lot of football players that actually went to the U, and somehow they all ended up on the Redskins. So you're Sean Taylor's, Clinton Portis. Um, since I'm also one of my favorite players of all time, so follow the Redskins. Always have. I know that's a painful thing to to make. Uh, statement on and yes it's tough being a skins fan when you have daniel snyder as your owner and there's perpetual um mediocrity but this is why you're this is why you're sports fans because you believe in hope (laughs) you believe in hope do you uh, um do you believe to borrow our to borrow our employer's tagline do you believe yeah, I do. I mean, I think we're going I think the skins are gonna have a good draft, draft Chase Young and some other talent. I don't have much to say about the QB1, which should be Dwayne Haskins. Well, I mean, he had a good season in college. I mean, the best time I've ever had as a Skins fan is the RG3 year. Most exciting football I've ever watched. Oh, before you um, killed him? I, I sir, did, do, did nothing. <laughs> the organization did that, and they should not have turned their back on him. That is another sidebar for another day, because that is a very <laughs> touching <laughs> subject that I have a lot of thoughts on. <laughs> Hold on, real quick. Do we have a Redskins podcast? So we can go ahead and get you on that because I got to hear this. I would love that. Are we, matter of fact, let's. Uh, so here's let's a plug about- for Believe.com. So in case you need to find a new podcast, guys, go to Believe.com, click on shows. We're at the 253 mark right now. So let's just go ahead and type in Redskins. Nope. We do not have a Washington Native Americans podcast yet. However, I did type in that, uh, and it popped up Arizona State. So there we go. Yeah, actually, Scott Lieberman. I actually met this guy at a uh, at a NABJ meeting. I think a year ago. He, I think he just moved to Arizona recently to cover the Sun Devils. So I have to get in touch with him about that because I think that's pretty cool. Uh, they just cover ASU. Um, would love to collab with him on that. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I gotta find. Hold on. Oh, snap. We got to catch up on the uh, Millennial Nostalgia Podcast. I see there's a few episodes up now. Let's see. Chiefs, 49ers, Steelers. Oh, we're going to find another... some podcast for you to show up on to talk about the Redskins because I want to hear this. I just typed in Detroit, and there's definitely not a Pistons podcast now, so that's intriguing. And for whatever reason, I type in Detroit, and it pulls up Anaheim Ducks, and I see another one of my disciples – Anthony Chiradelli, who was one of my interns at uh, Torrance City Cable a uh, couple years ago. So that's actually pretty cool to see. Got some people that I know and believe network. So this speaks to the volume that you guys should be tuning into these podcasts. There's no other reason why. 253 shows, content everywhere. And Jacob may have just spawned me an idea to start a Redskins and Pistons podcast just so I can vent as much as I want. You know what? I will even tag along with you every so often just so I can laugh at your pain and keep things moving. Oh, man. Want to talk about pain? Sure. 
Bane is the match that followed Dream and Bobby Fish. <laughs> hey, man, it was quick, though. Dexter Loomis um, defeated Jake Atlas. Obviously, Jake Atlas de- debuting on NXT TV. Dexter Loomis was last in the NXT breakout tournament. Didn't really make much of a dent there. You can tell this was a match to really build up his profile and character. And pretty much the man is just a freakishly creepy guy that doesn't blink. Um, Kind of a brawler, a lot of striking, things like that. Nothing overly athletic. Um, And the only way I can describe Dexter Loomis is Cameron Grimes that doesn't blink. Wow. So Dexter Loomis used to be in TNA or Impact Wrestling under the name Samuel Shaw. He won TNA's Gut Check, which is basically the natural wrestling version of Tough Enough. So I don't really know much about him from his time there or his time on the indies, but um, to call this man Cameron Grimes without the body hair? That's pretty offensive, man. I'm just saying, he's just Cameron Grimes that doesn't bat an eye, doesn't blink. You know, and that's and that might be that might even be disrespect to Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes actually kind of athletic in the ring, does a couple different things, um, but Loomis did not move me at all. And it seemed like a match where the announce team was really trying to sell us on Dexter Loomis being this dominant force, and it was like he wasn't doing anything, but sliding around to do an uppercut or anything remotely impressive that makes sense and i'll 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 back down i'll give him the benefit of the doubt maybe he needs the right dance partner but if he's trying to make an impact off the off the back then it's gonna i mean i i don't know where to start here i think atlas did some cool stuff in the ring and this is supposed to be a, a squash match for him he's supposed to be squashed essentially but he did some cool stuff in the ring that makes you say, all right, I want to watch this guy wrestle again. Loomis, not so much. Yeah, so I'll take your word for commentary building him up because, again, I watched the show with Muto. So apparently, though, the character of Dexter Loomis is supposed to be similar to the character of Dexter from the TV show is what I've heard. Interesting. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, Jake Atlas got a good bit of offense in. He was another one of those highly highly touted signings that kind of went underneath the radar. So we'll see probably in, what, six to eight months once they really start deciding to use Atlas once they get through this current crop. Right. And then Loomis, I mean, it was was a squash. It did what it did. I'm going to need a crowd to see how they react and if he changes anything before I really determine how I feel about him. But honestly, eh, you have my attention for maybe another week or two. That's, that's very nice of you. <laughs> so he has your attention. That's all I got is I'll I, won't skip over it for the next week or two. It just, it, it wasn't matched. I mean, I'm solely talking in-ring here. I'm talking in-ring performance and what the guy does. uh, Pillar to post, if you would. Nothing really moved me. And I think it was – you tell me this. When Atlas was in the position 
for a prototypical 619 if it was Rey Mysterio, uh, half body draped off the middle rope. He baseball slided out the ring just to land on his chest and body and got back up just to do an uppercut. Hold on, hold on. Let me go. What, what was what was the purpose? Let me go back to the spot real quick. What was the purpose? Like it, and if it, it reminded me of Goldust when Goldust drops on one knee and does the uppercut, was like you went all the way outside the ring just to jump up and deliver a punch. You know what it is? You know how Corbin will do that slide out when you whip him and he'll no. run around the post and slide back in. Do not compare it to that. That same. That actually looks cool. That thing. Actually looks cool. <laughs> same thing. That looks like a, a NFL combine drill when he does that. This is nothing like that. This is like I'm gonna take the. It's like I'm gonna take the long route to hit you. <laughs> nah, I got a build. I will I'm say gonna... it does look awkward as all hell. I think he got. Let me see. Did he get tripped up? Because I'm watching now. I have to go back and see this. I'm like literally looking at it. I'm like, did he get tripped up? I think so I tripped up. I think that was literally what the move was supposed to be. Tripped but... him. Well, he has chinos on. He has two tight chinos on. So, so yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, you know what? I like to rescind my comments about Corbin and that move looking similar to Corbin. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, walk that, that back. I, that. I can't that. defend that. <laughs> Tell, tell me what what was the purpose? Like, how is that more effective <laughs> to do that? I don't know, but all I know is the first time he tries that in a triple threat match, it doesn't catch a big boot to the face or an uppercut. I'm gonna be highly upset. Yeah, just awkward. And I think that's where they want to go with this character. Is like, oh yeah, he's awkward and and creepy and, and doesn't doesn't blink. But it's like it's like it's like Jackson Riker light. Wow. That's better. That's that's better than a camera grind slander. It's like Jackson Riker light, if that makes sense. That's the best way I can describe that. But I mean, yeah, if you guys disagree, tweet me at said says and tell me what you think of the Dexter Loomis character and if I should allow it to grow on me some more. I just don't think, especially it's not doing him any favors with the empty arenas right now to try to build his character off just television alone. So it just comes off as like, ah, that was that was mad forgettable. But I just remember these certain parts that don't look good at all. I'm sorry, mm. I just watched the end of this and I was kind of <laughs> disturbed because I realized why he doesn't blink. You see how damn tight no pants are? <laughs> <coughs> that can be, <coughs> that could be another reason. Like, son, one false move, and you busting a seam. Yeah, man. Dexter Loomis just looks like the weird barber. But yep. You got a victory over Jake Atlas, and uh, we'll see. Maybe the submission was kind of cool. The Uranagi followed by the, the sleeper-type submission. That was – probably the most unique thing he did the whole matchup. And if that's his finisher, then maybe he can carry that on for a while. Um, but again, didn't move me. And then uh, you got any other thoughts on Loomis before I jump? Um, no. 
like I said, he's got two more weeks. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt for more talk time, but um, I'm not sure if this is after that because we got to take some time on that ladder match. But uh, Malcolm Bivens cut a promo with his two uh, two heavies, if you would, of part of Bivens Enterprises, Rinku and Sarovs, pretty much putting the tag team division on notice. Uh, as I look at the screenshot of Bivens, pretty much pulling Dexter Loomis with the beady eyes and not blinking, which looks like kind of like an ugly cry, if you will. Um, <laughs> but Bivens pretty much said that they're there to put the tag team division on notice, calling out Pete Dunn for being across the pond, um, letting Matt Riddle know that this is the future of the tag team division. And then you had the two giants behind him uh, speaking their native tongue. So um, I'm thinking we should get another angle with them tomorrow, another in-ring angle. But how do we feel – about this being the ta- the or sorry the superstars that gets Bivens on TV and does it have shelf life? All right, so the Punjabi uh, Punishers, yeah, I really don't care. Like I'm all here for Bivens, which I think me and you established on the last one. We're here for Bivens. I don't care what you got, just give. Bivens anything. I feel like this is a litmus test for Bivens because WWE isn't big on managers. Can't count Paul Heyman because Heyman is an advocate, not a manager. And also Heyman is the exception to every last rule known to man. So it's like, all right, let's see if Bivens can get these two over before we give them something else. Because you got Robert Stone with Chelsea Green. See how that's working. You know, Give it a little time, but honestly, I'm not expecting much out of them. And this may be a blessing in disguise that they're they actually are going to benefit from no crowd because they're not going to get booed out the arena and not booed in a good way. Because the first yeah. time they step in the ring and it looks bad, you don't have a crowd giving you a whole bunch of boos and get out of here. Yeah, that's true. And then you got done across the pond, so that keeps you from forcing them into a tag title match too soon, which probably would have happened at TakeOver if everything was normal. Right, right. So, uh, you know, blessing in disguise. This works out for them. Kind of does. And, I mean, it gives them time to kind of establish identity. If they're just going to be a new AOP to NXT, then that might be a good thing because they got the mouthpiece to carry them. So, I mean, they, I, I, don't, I don't think by any smidge of the imagination they're going to get a title shot anytime soon. But as long as they keep getting some TV time here and there and build the brand, let, let's let Bivens carry them to the promised land. It can't be all that bad. All right, so how long of a shelf life are you giving them? Uh, you know what? I think we have... You know, I think we I think we have at least till the summer, you know, to see what happens. Because I don't, I don't think I think this will be a slow burn for them. Because if you look at the tag team divisions on SmackDown and Raw, there definitely might need to be some people that move up um, to help out that brand, those two brands as well. In the tag team world, we just saw Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch on Monday Night Raw. So I think that's going to be a, a new thing going forward. Um, so I think they have some time. But I, I'd say if they're not a threat or maybe we have the live audiences back and they're not 
at least getting booed out the out of full sale or getting some of the crowd behind them and some type of reaction. I think they'll be out of here by August, and then Pivens will be hopefully entertaining other single stars. Maybe, maybe let, let, let get, get Bivens Apollo Cruz, man. <laughs> let's, let's get let's let's start that campaign to get Bivens Apollo Cruz in this camp. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm giving them till. Um, you know what? I'll push it to SummerSlam. Okay. Like, really, I say June, July, if you're not doing it for me, I'm going to check out from you. But that TakeOver SummerSlam weekend is like my last shot, last draw with you guys. Because if you ain't ain't doing it by then, because I'm sure the plan is to put them in the tag title match of some sort. Right, right. So, yeah, no. We'll see what happens. I mean, they got some time to cook. I mean, uh, so as we jump to this next match, I mean, it's like a huge I told you so. uh, Because it's like it was obvious this was going to happen, but there was a shining light in this match. The number one – or sorry, number one contender's ladder match for the NXT Women's Championship. We know um, who the winner was in this match. But it started off with Shotzi Blackheart pretty much running the entire gauntlet. Now, I know Shotzi had the NXT Universe in the palm of her hands, and uh, she's a big baby face amongst the crowd for some of her quirkiness and wackiness on her way to the ring and in the ring. But you got to see some of her in-ring skills, which is why um, I guess producers in the back are like all over her because she defeated four people before actually falling to Kota Kai. Uh, I feel like it started off kind of slow with her and Perrazzo. Then Zia Lee was also kind of cringy with the spots. But uh, when she took out Caden Carter Aaliyah with some of her, her finishers, things like that, I think those are beautiful moments to see exactly what Shotzi Blackheart can be to the women's division um, in lieu of so many departures over the past few months. Now, the the one question I have, because we knew Dakota Kai was going to come in, and it sucks that she couldn't just pick up the pieces and just win the match and actually had to have help from uh, Gonzalez, but and before we talk about Kai, what does this mean for Blackheart? Oh, yes. Great showing. So she had a solid showing in this <clears throat> gauntlet match to determine the last spot in the number one contenders ladder match. It means that they see something in her, even without a crowd, they still see something in her, still believe in her. So, you know, there's plans is what I is what I took from this. So that she's in that she's not in the own deck circle, but she's next up after the own deck. She has a chance to move into the own deck spot. Right, right. Because if you look at the women's division, you have your heavy hitters, Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair will figure out what the status of those two is as time tells. Chelsea Green, they've apparently put her in a prominent role. Mia Yim, Dakota Kai and her heater, Tegan Knox. That's your top level. That's your top shelf. And then right in that mid-shelf, you ain't really got nothing other than Kane Carter and Shotzi Blackheart right now. That's what, I've saw. That's what I see. And Zai mm-hmm. Lee. True, true. So. Yeah, it's like just... I can't see, see Shotzi Blackheart uh, – challenging a Charlotte or anybody like that or Ripley for 
NXT Women's title, but I can see her in the picture where she should maybe have been in this um, ladder match field. Like I think you can could have easily replaced some of these other competitors in the field with Shotzi Blackheart just based off that performance alone. Um, and I think it bodes well for her moving forward to actually get more looks against some of these bigger single stars and kind of see what she can do, see if she sinks or swim. But like we said, Dakota Kai, which is the uh, which speaks to volumes to why gauntlet matches are so stupid because if you draw the wrong hand, you end up like Blackheart and you have to fight all of the people in the match instead of just having an elimination match with all five women in the ring. But Kai got the look at the draw, came out in the end. Shotzi still put on a very good effort and even eliminated Gonzalez when she got involved but still fell to Dakota Kai. Now, adding Kai to the field for the ladder match this week is actually kind of interesting because it sways the odds a lot. It makes you think that Kai could be a winner just because she's a heel. But, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week, how Kai would make perfect sense for Rhea, but maybe not so much sense for Charlotte. So now now that we know that Charlotte is the champion, and shout out to Rhea Ripley. Um, I know Jacob has some news on her. Uh, a, a damn good match. I know I've been on here with the Rhea Ripley slander talking about how I think that thought that her and Charlotte's match would be an absolute train wreck, and it was not. Was not at all. Um, <laughs> it's actually one of the better better singles matches of the entire program for WrestleMania now. But we know Rhea's now dropped the title. I think when we look at the next person to challenge somebody of a Charlotte Flair's caliber, it has to be at least, but I think it just, you just down to one. And it's probably going to be Io Shirai. Two, maybe three. You're probably going to give me Mia Yim. I'll, I'll, give, I'll take Yim because that can make sense. Um, not going to take Tegan or Kelly Kelly. Just, just not going to do it. Oh, my God, we're doing this today. <clears throat> All right, so before I get to that, yeah, I know you hate the concept of a gauntlet match. I, for one, actually enjoy it because if you do it right, you can tell a great story better than you can if you did it in an elimination match. Need proof? Kofi last year. Okay great story. AJ comes in at the end. He's like, look, man, just stay down. I don't want to do this. Perfect storytelling. This also great storytelling because you know what you did? You established Shotzi Blackheart as a key piece of your women's division in the future. And then on top of that, you established Dakota Kai as even more of a chicken shit heel that nobody should want to like. Because like you said, she should have just been able to come in there and just pick up the dub herself. Nope, still got to use the heater. So, check, check, check. You're accomplishing a bunch of good things there. Also, I see how Zali broke broke Aaliyah's nose because she throws those kicks with some infernal. Sure does. I think that might be why Zaya hasn't gotten the push that she's uh, wanted just yet because she, I mean, for lack of better words, great talent in the ring, does some pretty cool stuff between the, square, between the uh, ropes, but might be a little bit unsafe to work with. A little stuff. Maybe just a tad bit unsafe just yet for some of those those other tier superstars we talked about 
And I know she put on – I think she actually put on a really good match with Shayna Baszler a few months ago. But, I mean, breaking somebody's nose, you definitely going to get pegged down a little bit. And I know I saw, saw her push stall a little bit right after that. Yeah, not to mention there's Aaliyah, which nobody cares about. But, yeah, for whatever reason, they love to trot her out on my TV every week almost. Well, I think I think Aaliyah's improved a little bit in her work. So I can see why. I mean, you got to have heels that can do certain things, especially on the mic. Um, I think Aaliyah's decent in those regards. But, I mean, as it stands right now in our women's ladder match, we're going to talk about predictions and previews on part two today. We got Chelsea Green, Mia Yim, Io Shirai, Tegan Knox, Kansler Ray, and Dakota Kai. Um, yep. Which could have a lot of spots, could have a lot of this and that. It'll be a really good match at the end of the day. We'll talk about that later. By the way, Go to Kick is a trash name for a finisher. <laughs> I, didn't, I forgot all about that. I mean, I get what she's doing, but just she could have called it something way different. And I get it. It's kind of corny. Let go to sleep, you go to sleep. Go to kick is pretty lame. The, the next match we have, and um, I love this match for a number of reasons. <laughs> um, we had Kushida taking on Joaquin Wild. Now, I know, Jacob, you said that you would be happy if you never listened to Sam Roberts again. Mm-hmm. But Sam was dropping bars on Joaquin this whole damn match. Pretty much saying that the EDM thing, he tried the EDM thing, doesn't work for him. Wish that Joaquin would get a haircut. Uh, stuff about the mask being weird. It was just all things that I'm sure everybody has thought when they first saw Joaquin Wilde when he debuted at the NXT North or sorry, NXT Breakout Tournament. And Sam aired that on air. And I'm pretty sure it's I, – I've thought some of that. <laughs> I definitely have. But if anything, um, Sam also shed some light on the superstars Kushida. Um, and Kushida's almost been around for a year now, right? Um, Yeah, it's been about a year. He somehow, like most of the Asian stars at WWE signs, got stuck with an injury bug, you know, had some yeah. wrist issues, and yeah, so... Yeah, that's kind of had to actually be overseas for a little bit too. Yeah, that's why we haven't seen Kushida that much. Yeah, had a really big debut. Uh, they were touting him as like the next big star. Um, I never really saw it. Kind of like what Sam Roberts was saying, like doesn't really see him being a star like that. And I don't. There's some cool things in the ring for sure, but I just don't buy it. I know Kushida's been bouncing around 205 Live as of late, which might be a better fit, especially if we ever get. Passes stuff. I think Kushida and Devlin might be a really good match. But Kushida showed a lot of what he can do in this match from a submission standpoint, a tactical standpoint, through maneuvers and uh, reversing different things that Joaquin was trying to do. And I think he's just one of those superstars that we talk about ring savvy. He gets it with that. Uh, his matches are pretty methodical. It's not. It's, it's going to look like how what Daniel Bryan can start do with the right dance partner. But I think as far as being over, I don't think Kushida is over yet. He is. Not not no fault of his own either. He is, but he isn't. Like, he's on that line of being over, and then he gets hurt. 
He comes back. There's no crowd. The crowd is what's pushing him up to that next level. Because if he stayed healthy, I'm pretty sure he would be in the North American title picture. Or he'll be in the Cruiserweight title picture like you mentioned. Yeah. I think he's definitely leaning on getting to that Cruiserweight title picture. This is a good match. If you didn't see it, uh, I think it's a good um, tactical mat wrestling match, which was really cool. Um, I think they might have missed the boat on just having Kushida just stay with his former tag team partners doing the time splitter thing uh, like they did in Dusty Classic. They should have teed that up and ran that for way longer than they did, uh, especially in now, especially in the time we're in now. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any NXT Cruiserweight Championship match in the States in some time. And I think that's that would be the best move for Kushida. But in the meantime, they could at least get some tag team stuff done with the tag team division finally expanding. Yeah, they could have kept the time splitters together. I wouldn't have complained one bit. I enjoy Alex Shelley, especially his run as part of the uh, Motor City Machine Guns in the early 2000s. So, yeah, I would be opposed to that. Um, yeah, I don't see that uh, <laughs> Cruiserweight title being defended for a while. Not in America. No, not at all. There's no chance. Literally no chance it can be defended in the States right now. Um, like we said, De- we said last week, Devlin uh, defended the title against Travis Banks to retain, kind of by the skin of his teeth. And we're probably going to see more of that. But Kushida can kind of get in line. And I love what they're doing with certain superstars that are actually going down the 205 Live. So you're only Lorcans, Danny Burches, Kushida, Tyler Breeze. It's a pretty deep pull now. It might not be the golden age that it was when you had Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander, or even Enzo there who had all the eyes on the brand, but you have a lot of guys that can work. And that's what the 205 Live brand is about, guys that can work and um, put on a good show between the the squared circle. Um, So big win for Kushida. And that wasn't even the biggest part of this match. I think the biggest part of this match was the end when Kushida seemingly wanted to shake Joaquin's hand. Joaquin was very reluctant to shake his hand. Um, they eventually shake hands. Joaquin leaves. leaves. But then later on in the night, um, we got a little bit of a flashback. We saw a suburban or some type of SUV pull up. We see Joaquin getting interviewed about his loss. And then you see some masked men take Joaquin and tell him to get into the van. Uh, keep in mind, they spoke perfect English despite having Luchador mask on. Um, put him in the back of the van and drive off, um, which we saw happen to Raul Mendoza a few weeks ago. It was right after Raul Mendoza had tagged with Joaquin Wild um, that same night. So what does that mean? And by the way, there was a very crappy Luchador mask. So I don't know where they're going with this, but it's a thing. All right. So uh, what part you want to address first? <laughs> Ah man, um, I can't pay, I can't get past those garbage masks. Um, on top of that, I don't think they said anything to Raul Mendoza a few weeks ago. They they told they they called him by Joaquin, spoke perfect English, said get in the, get in the car now, get in the car now. It just seemed very poorly done. There was no there was no Spanish spoken. Um, so I don't know what to think about this angle now. I have no, like, if there, if there was supposed to be a reasoning for this angle, I know we joke about it literally every podcast, but this really confused me this time. And not in a good way. 
I mean, I'm sitting here watching it now. Just he's talking, talking. You see the suburban in the background the whole time. Speeds up, slams brakes on. They hop out. You, you come here. Yep, yep, get it. Yep. All right. So you know what I realized? These aren't the same two that took uh, Raul. Definitely not. <laughs> Couldn't be. Like the build is completely different of the two men. So, I don't know where they're going with this. I'm kind of interested. Yeah. It better have a good payoff. What I'm really looking forward to is the payoff, but more so, who else do they have to kidnap? I think they painted themselves into a corner with this one, and only thing I can say is, like, I would hope that it's a uh, – I mean, if this was like – if Bivens was behind all of this, that would be dope. I don't think it has anything to do with that because storylines are going to be completely separate. Um, I have no idea. Like, I am so dumbfounded by this being done, like, by lightning striking twice with, with two Hispanic superstars like this and then pretty much being abducted by non-Hispanics in the <laughs> – back of the SUV. So I think I know we were speculating that hey, maybe this could be Zelina Vega recruiting these guys. Wrong. Wrong. So I don't I have no idea. And then last week's abduction looked it so cheap. It's like he wasn't even trying to fight these guys off. He's like, yeah, I'll get in the car. Sure. <laughs> I'll get in the car. Like just and they drove they drove off. Yeah, at least Raul put up a little bit of a fight. Was caught by Man. surprise. This guy basically just just said, "Hey, you, you guys don't have to drag me. I'll, I'll go by. I'll go without force." So I don't. I don't know. Uh, but when it happened, I, I laughed hysterically for a while. I know that. I mean, you can't I, help but laugh because I did not think they were going to try to tee that up again. I thought. I thought if anything was a part of the the lockdown, everything being shut down, they were like, "Hey, how are we going to scrap this angle altogether?" And they did it again. Yeah, they did it again. And, you know, again, I ain't too mad at them because I really want to see where this pays off. Here's what I'm starting to think and realize. You might not want to be around Kushida. Oh. Yeah, because Kushida's the one that defeated Raw Mendoza and the same thing happened. So maybe it has something to do with Kushida, which is fair. You know, and that might be the actual, I mean, like we talk about certain feuds and things like that. If they really want Kushida to get over the way like a Nakamura did, they're probably going to have to do stuff like that to make sure his character has some staying power. Because it's, it's not really – he doesn't really do the promos and things like that. But if he had something that was off the wall, and this is very off the wall, in bad ways and good ways and funny ways, just completely off the wall. Like, I am entertained by this angle, and I want to see exactly what it is. If it has something to do with Kushida, that would be cool. But more importantly, like, they, somebody's going to have to unmask one of these men at some point and see who they are. Like, but how disappointing would it be if it was like the guys were putting up a fight and they put off one of the masks and it was just the Forgotten Sons? See, I'm glad that you said that because, actually, I wanted to go down this road, but I wasn't going to go down it unprovoked. So... 
is kind of, well, I'm trying to think back over these two nights of WrestleMania. Does this? No, no, eh, not really. All right. So, um, you know how I tend to come on here about every couple of weeks and say wrestling is racist. Mm-hmm. So you were sitting there saying, you know, Raul Mendoza, Wild. It's like, yeah, it seems to be all the Hispanic and Latino wrestlers, which I asked. I was like, all right, who else do they have to kidnap? So what if this leads to a strong-ass MAGA gimmick for somebody? Like, say the Forgotten Sons, just go full MAGA. Full red hat, everything. There's no way they would, the company would do that. A she. You sure about that? Yeah, and, and this climate, it's very, that's a very sensitive thing. And the last thing I could think about is Jack Swagger with the We the People thing. Um, oh God. I don't think they're touching that, the political aspect of things right now. I mean, Jack, they got We the People over. Yeah, they did. Despite it being bad creative, in the words of Chris Jericho. That's also when we had a different president, though. Which is further proving my point here. Less polarizing president that can totally sway um, viewership one way or the other. I don't. I don't think they would do that right now. I'm hoping that's not what this is. I'd be in very poor taste. But um, I don't know. Tell you. Tell you. Just wait for it. I don't know. Because they go the whole, we're going to abduct minorities thing, and yeah, that's not going to go over so well. Tell you, wait for it. And you want to know why I know they'll pull some stunt like this? You know what we just spent the last four months of 2019 watching? A cuck angle. Yep, knew you were going there with that. <laughs> knew you were definitely going there with that. And then you threw in the hot lesbian action on top of it. And Bobby Lashley definitely teed up the whole, I might need a new wife thing. After a poor, poorly scripted WrestleMania ending to his match with Aleister Black made no sense at all. Yeah, I got you. Up, I got you hoisted up in my finisher, uh, this dominator-like move, and then. But I'm going to listen to you and do the spear. I'm just going to drop you and do the spear. Nobody does that. Yeah. But teach their own, and we'll definitely see what. I mean, they get, they're going to give us answers within the next couple of weeks, but. Um, We'll have to see what happened, what happened to Joaquin and Raul. But now we know that two men have been kidnapped at random at the full sale parking lot. Um, I got nothing else on that. I'm just saying, man, get security back there, you know, something. Cedric Alexander tweeted out, hey, these parking lots ain't safe, <laughs> which hey, was hilarious. <sighs> Matter of fact, hold on, let me pull up the roster. I got to figure out who's next to be kidnapped now. Now you got me legit curious to see. Since they didn't drop it, let's just see. Who would be the next the next team that is Hispanic or Latino to be kidnapped? Alright, Angel Garza's already on Raw. Same with Humberto. Humberto, let's see here. 
We got Wild sitting in the back of a Suburban. All right. So um, those are all your options right there. So you know who's next to be kidnapped? No clue. Your boy. Your original boy. Kona? Yep. Diet Rocky Maivia, as you like to call him. Wow. Diet Rocky Maivia. You call that man Rocky Maivia. I am not giving him that much praise. He is like, he's a diet great value, Rocky Maivia. Diet. What with the diet? Okay. It's good. Kona ain't got nothing else to do. That's the Diet's only healthier for you. You know that, right? Diet's a lot healthier. Nah, man. The aspartame and your brain turns it into a pop rock. Do your research, man. Like that's the only person. Because I think the trend is stars who aren't doing anything. Sure. Because Wild is out here just looking like the mass rider every time he comes to the ring. Mendoza really wasn't doing too, too much. All I'm saying is, don't be surprised if the Forgotten Sons are behind this and they want to build a wall and take back their country. Ooh, I'm going to move on because that sounds so cringe. So cringe. Um, but you know it's a possibility. That's so cringe. I don't even want to talk about that no more. Um, <laughs> that's how bad that sounds. Um, North American t- title was defended. Keith Lee um, taking on Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest. And dare I say, has the fire of Keith Lee dwindled? Um, the match was pretty much a spot show with all the bigger superstars. Um, it seemed like Keith Lee was down most of the match, showing some some superhuman strength like he normally does. But it seemed more like uh, Priest and Dijakovic trying to eliminate Keith and then fighting each other. He had some good spots. Uh, Dijakovic doing a nice corkscrew moonsault off the um, on to Keith Lee, if you would. Uh, I think Damian Priest had a nice spot heading to the outside of the ring as well on both men. Uh, the match ends, obviously, with Keith Lee pouncing um, Damian Priest out of the <laughs> ring after, I think, I think it was after Priest delivered his move to Dijakovic and actually hurt his knee because he introduced the lead pipe or the nightstick, if you will, to the match, hitting Dajakovic in the knee. Um, I expected more out of this match. Um, it was a good match, had its spots, things like that. But I feel like it did more to hurt Keith Lee than to help it help him. It seemed more like a match that was really doing more to put over Dajakovic and Damian Priest as legitimate uh threats and athletes more so than Keith Lee doing a lot of what he does, um, which is wild the fans. Now, I think they had the cool double bike kick moment between Priest and Dajakovic. And then, of course, they are on their demise with Keith Lee picking up the win against um, pinning Dajakovic again. So that should get Dominic smoothed the hell up out of here completely because he took another pin to Keith. But, again, I feel like this match did more to diminish – Keith Lee than to help him. What do you think? Yeah, so Keith Lee is definitely lacking from not having the crowd. 
like the ring for the most part is still just as crisp. He's still looking just as good. But it's something about having the crowd at full cell, fully behind you, waiting on every last word that just adds a little extra to it and makes it better. Right, right. And yeah. Keith Lee got his spots in. This wasn't really a focus on Keith Lee, which I'm glad. Because I felt like if it became heavily focused on Keith Lee, it had been basically Keith Lee and Dakakovich again with um, Damian Priest just running in every so often. So I'm glad they kind of broke that trend. And I think we are finally done with Keith Lee, Dakakovich. Like he ate the pin. You could say the only reason he ate the pin is because of the nightstick, but the nightstick got him out of here. I feel like now we're going to get Priest Dakakovich for like a month or so. Nice little side feud. And then we just let Keith Lee figure out who's going to challenge him next. Hopefully Killian Dane is that person. Yeah. I got to introduce somebody else into the picture just because um, he needs a dance partner that can, I don't want to say keep up with him because both these guys and tonight's match are able to keep up with him. It's just the fact that since he's already descended to such great heights, it's you already expect so much more early. It's like you can't, you can't cool him off. It's felt like it cooled him off a lot. Feel like a whole cool off for him to barely escape with the title, if you would. Um, but yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Keith Lee does suffer from not having a crowd behind him for his promos, for them to know kind of his moveset and what he's going to do for the oohs and ahs. I think he benefited from that crowd the most. Definitely, definitely. Crowd keeps him going. And honestly, I'm just glad this is over. Uh, real quick, a little sidebar. Did that takeover backdrop bother you like it bothered me? Um, I didn't notice it until probably the women's um, number one contendership ladder match. And I was like, oh, okay. So they, they're basically advertising that this is takeover, not takeover Tampa, but this is their takeover card. Um and it doesn't bother me for anything other than, I mean, we got two matches that weren't big matches, if you would. Forgive me for what I'm about to say, but I don't think Dexter Loomis is going to be on a takeover at this part of his career. Um, I, I nor, see nothing wrong there. Huh? I said I see nothing wrong there. You're right. Yeah. Nor will we get a singles match with Bobby Fish and Velveteen Dream. Uh, but I think they wanted to come out heavy and have Overseen Dream start the show to engage the audience and whatnot like that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not mad at it. They could have just saved it for this week with Ciampa Gargano and the ladder match in itself because it seems like a bigger moment. But I got to remember all the time that they're competing with a Wednesday night in a Wednesday night war with AEW, and they're literally competing against one of the goats of wrestling, feuding with a damn droid, and it's getting over. Jericho cussing out a droid is brilliant and it's riveting television. So we got to compete with that every Wednesday. Uh, so I don't, it wasn't, the backdrop wasn't up for every match. It really hit me during the Keith Lee match and I was like, no, like, please just take this down. <laughs> like, it's distracting. And. What you got against Vanguard? What you got against Vanguard 1? 
Nothing. Nothing. I'm, I think it's good. I think it's good stuff. I mean, if anybody can get it over, Jericho can, and he definitely is. I, I, I don't – yeah, I don't have no hate towards Vanguard 1. It was over before Jericho. Nah. Nah, it was, it was kind of lame. Just a hate man. It you was kind of lame. We going to get into your hate for certain things when we break down WrestleMania. Certainly will. Certainly will. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. It bothered me. It felt like this isn't a takeover. Nothing on this whole entire night was takeover quality, if we're going to be honest. True. And it clues the main event. So I was just like, why throw this up? Like, no. Just like, screw it. We didn't have a takeover. It is what it is. We're still going to try to go out and give you a good match. Right. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with chalking up the L and just moving on, but you're giving us the matches we want, but I feel like that takeover drop, backdrop would have probably been best served um, for one show um, with the bigger feud on it, of course, which is Gargano Ciampa. Yeah, either that. Actually, it didn't need to be one show. It just needs to be one match, the women's ladder match. Because Chop and Gargano are going to beat the hell out of each other out of in some random empty building. So, yeah, it's true. They're going to drop a pin somewhere, and they're just going to fight. Um, and in in hopes that they give that match at least thirty to thirty to an hour. Yeah, it's got to go at least thirty, if not forty-five, give or take. But yeah, as far as um, this was NXT, it wasn't bad. I mean, it was. I mean, for if it we're comparing to takeover quality, definitely not NXT takeover quality. But it wasn't bad from the standpoint that, like I said, they're doing more with audible sounds in between the match between the superstars. Um, we saw another man get kidnapped. Shotzi Blackheart definitely made a name for herself. Um, we saw a demon. Barber, if you will. And we saw Bobby Fish didn't forget his hair dye this week. So it was a, I mean, it was a nice little B minus B, B show, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one the best, one the worst. It was better than the show that you hated a couple weeks ago that was all promo packages. Ooh, that was bad. That was bad. That was real bad. And it looks like what we got for this week, just to tee that up for our preview predictions. Um, and just so we're clear, Ciampa and Gargano are set for one last match. I know nothing is uh, never in stone. We talked about that last week because Ric Flair definitely kept wrestling after Shawn Michaels got him up out of here. Um, <laughs> but they're painting this as the Black Heart versus the Rebel Heart. And then, of course, we got the number one contender ladder match, which should be a banger. Um, just because ladders are involved, it'll be all these spots. Doesn't seem like you really have a ladder match or no fans. If you really want to think about what that looks like, go look at the SmackDown Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania. But Charlotte Flair needs a challenger. And six women are vying for that spot. I think we'll get more answers from Malcolm Bivens next week. Or far, sorry, from this week's NXT. And I have to hope that they kidnap somebody else. I just don't know who. Um, 
Are any of the women in that ladder match Latino Latinas? They're gonna kidnap Raquel Gonzalez. I would pay to see them kidnap the heater. Please let it be Raquel Gonzalez. That'll be it. Had it happened in the middle of the match. Oh, you want him just to run down the ringside and just scoop up? Yeah, just put a black hood over her head and carry her off, and be like, that. That would be that would be money. That'd be hilarious. You know what? You might get your wish. That's how we get Kai up out of here from the result of the ladder match altogether, because she's so confused that Raquel got kidnapped. Just. Make this affect everybody. I, I like what you're thinking. I like what you're thinking. Sir. What else we got for the good people? Uh, that's about all we got for this one, unless you just want to go ahead and just give them a two-for-one whammy and just do the recap and roll right into a preview, or you just want to let them sit with the recap and then we'll hit them with the preview in another episode. Um, well, right now, we should have a preview with another episode, unless unless that can combine, but it's just because we only got two announced matches right now. Two announced matches and a William Regal announcement on the bump tomorrow. Hmm, didn't see that. Okay. wonder what that could be. Hmm. We shall see. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this little breakdown for you like i said on the little preview we be back first part of the week you know we just had to let it breathe it was wrestlemania weekend we had night one of wrestlemania we didn't want this to get lost in a shuffle because we kind of had to talk about a few things and try to figure some stuff out from a very interesting episode of nxt tv so you know broke it down we didn't get kidnapped yet 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 believe might actually do that that might be a thing. Heard some banging on my door earlier. Some anonymous banging. Yeah, so to say, you are out in LA, so you are out by the offices. So, if you don't hear me on the next podcast, just know that I was at kidnap risk by <laughs> men in luchador masks that speak perfect English. <sighs> telling you, telling you what it's leading to. You're gonna be hurt when it happens. That that's gonna man. I'm not even gonna subscribe to that. That would be terrible. All right, don't say I didn't warn you. So there you guys have it. Said is refusing to admit that I am usually right when it comes to predictions for NXT. So we're just gonna let this sit. We'll let that storyline play out. Only time will tell. And speaking of time, until next time, which won't be long because we're coming with a preview for NXT this week. I'm Jacob. That said, you got anything else before we let nice folks go? No, we can let them go. But keyword, Jacob is usually keen on predictions for NXT. That was the keyword, NXT. He is doing that. So we're going to let you go with a little bit of a tease. And we'll you'll, you'll figure out what we're talking about in our next episode.